We sang Psalm 1 because that is going to be the focus of the message this evening. Do you boys and girls know that the Psalms, I think you know this, the Psalms were Israel's songbook. Did you know that? That was pretty easy to know, I think. It was also Israel's prayer book. If your prayer life is dull, you can pray every psalm. But it was also Israel's catechism book. In the psalms, you have the full gospel. And in Psalm 1, you have the complete gospel of salvation. I want to preach to you the first three verses, maybe on another occasion. The rest of it, we will see what happens. But this evening, I want to open up to you the first three verses. I read to you Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the streams of water, that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. We don't know who wrote Psalm 1. There are 48 psalms that have no author attached. Some people think Solomon wrote it. We don't know that. We know who wrote it only in the fact that the Holy Spirit has written all of Scripture. This could be a father teaching his child about God about the life that we live before God. Because I want us all to know that this psalm describes your and my relationship to God. And that's why I have entitled it, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. When you read that first word, blessed, you boys and girls have a pencil, 
and you got the bulletin, you could write down a few synonyms for blessed. What do you come up with? Because synonyms for blessed would quite often be happy. Happy is the man who does not, says here, uh, walk in the counsel of the ungodly and so on. Would that be true? Are the happy people those who do not walk in the counsel of the wicked? You think so? It's true. Another word would be fortunate. If you are blessed, you are fortunate. You have something from God that nobody else has. Another word would be contented. If you are blessed, you are not sitting here wondering if you are missing out on pleasures and joys that other people are missing, that other people are enjoying. You're content. You're saying, God, you have made no mistakes in my life. My life is completely lived perfectly before you in the sense that you control my life. I'm satisfied. Another meaning for blessed is privileged. Privileged. You have the privilege of knowing God. Because boys and girls, God opens your eyes and God opens your ears so that you understand the gospel. Another word for blessed would be favored. You ever consider that God favors you? Above all others, he does. And it also means enviable. You can be envied because God is with you. Opposite of blessed, unhappy. Wretched, distressed, devastated, miserable, hopeless. Is this blessedness the result of you and I not walking in the counsel of the ungodly? Is this blessedness the result 
Of you and I not standing in the path of sinners? Is this blessedness a result that you and I are not sitting in the seat of the scornful? What do you think? I want you to consider what God said to Abraham. Well, he was Abram at the time. In Genesis 12, 2 and 3, God says to Abram, you leave your country, you leave your land, you leave your father's house, and you go to the land. I will show you what's the next thing God said to Abram. He said, I will bless you. Does that mean anything to you? That tells you and me that God's blessing comes first. Your and my obedience to God is the result of God's blessing. To say it another way, you and I do not find company Peace, satisfaction, contentment, walking with the wicked. And you can do that in many different ways nowadays with the Internet. There is a blessedness, I will admit to that, There's a blessedness waking up every morning and you have a guilt-free conscience, correct? But the blessedness that we're talking about here in verse 1 is the blessedness that God gave to Abraham and that blessing God gave to Abraham is knowing God. God giving you and me His Word, giving me His Spirit, giving you and me all of the protection in the covenant that you and I belong to God. You will find that in the New Testament as well. You're familiar with Matthew 25, where... You have the story of the sheep and the goats. And Jesus has all the world in front of him. And the sheep are on his right. The goats are on his left. And what does Christ say to the sheep? He says, Come, you who are blessed 
by my Father. What does that mean? They are blessed by the Father because according to Ephesians chapter 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who before the foundations of the world chose us to be made holy and righteous in Him. The righteous, the sheep, are not blessed because they gave water and food and clothing and befriended those who are in prison. They give water. They give food. They give clothing. They embrace the stranger. They help those who are in prison. Those who are addicted can be a prison. Because they are blessed by God. And Jesus says, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from before the foundation of the world. Isn't that amazing? It really takes the wind out of our sails. It really makes us understand... Your and my righteousness is not a righteousness that comes from myself. Our good works are the evidence that God has blessed us. I will bless you, God says to Abraham, and God gives that same blessing to you and me. I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. And I know many of you, I love you. You have been a blessing to me as long as I have known you. Because God's Spirit lives in you. The rest of that verse is progressive. Boys and girls, progressive means it moves. Your and my morality is not static. Static means doesn't change. A person who is not blessed, as we were talking, the person who is not blessed is described in Romans chapter 1. 
God gives them over to disobedience. I want to remind us all, God is not in heaven scratching his head and saying, what am I going to do with these wicked people? There are people whom God is giving over to disobedience. He doesn't give them a guilty conscience. He doesn't give them a father and a mother who disciplines them. He doesn't shape them in any way to come back to him. He lets them go. And here in verse 1, there's the walking, and then there's the standing, and then there's the sitting. You know what that means? In the time this psalm was written, you walked on the road. And you're walking and you're talking to people. But you're going to meet sinners. You're going to meet the unrighteous. You're going to meet the wicked. And you start walking with them and talking with them. And you get more interested in them. You stop walking and you stand. And then you get tired of standing and you sit. Because God has chosen you and me from before the foundation of the world. This does not describe you and me. Do we sin? We do. But we feel guilt. We feel shame. We hate it. That is the evidence of God blessing you. Let's go to verse 2. But, that means wickedness, sin, immorality, is not what you delight in. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. What is that talking about? When you think of the law of God, what comes to your mind? It's the Ten Commandments. Am I right? Everybody? That's what you're thinking of, right? And you're correct. The law of the Lord, the Ten Commandments, give light to the eyes. They make the simple wise. But there is more to the law of God. The law of God. I'm not degrading the Ten Commandments. Want that straight and firm. But there is a law of God called the sovereignty of God. 
There is a sovereignty of God in the covenant God has made with you and me. That's a law that God established, Ephesians 1 again, before the creation of the world. God has chosen you. You are God's child, and you will always be God's child. Does that give you delight? Is that a joy to you? It is to me. Because in our daily life, there are lots of things in our life that destroy the joy of our salvation. There's a man in the Old Testament, his name is David. David wrote Psalm 51. And you boys and girls, when you think of David, you're going to think of Goliath. And you maybe you're going to think of a bear and a lion. But when you get older, you're going to think of a Bathsheba. And you're going to think of a Nabal. No, uh, Uriah. David murdered Uriah. David, Israel's greatest psalm writer, Israel's greatest musician, Israel's greatest warrior, Israel's greatest king. And here it is. Israel's greatest sinner wrote 73 psalms. And in Psalm 51, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. David had never lost his salvation. You can't. It's impossible. Because your salvation is based totally on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. You cannot lose your salvation no more than you can uncrucify Jesus. Jesus came into the world to save sinners. You boys and girls know who loved Jesus the most? When you're reading Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. 
Who loves to be with Jesus? Well, look at the disciples. You know their history? Every one of them was lost. And as Jesus began to teach, as Jesus began to preach, it was the sinners who came to Jesus. Because they found in Him grace and mercy. And the Pharisees who believed you saved yourself by your work hated Jesus. And he said, if you're the Messiah, you wouldn't be hanging around with these people because they're sinners. And Jesus said, healthy people don't need a doctor. It's the sick. I came to save sinners. Going back to David, Psalm 51. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. I love your law, Lord. I love your covenant. I stand on it. You restore your joy to me of your salvation, and I will teach sinners your ways. What is God's way? With sinners. David didn't have to read any books and study up on God's ways with sinners. Because David knew. You know what it means to know something? Biblically, right? There's a big difference between knowing God and knowing about God. If you have been to New York City, then you know New York City because you've walked her streets, you've eaten in her restaurants, and you've experienced New York. If you've never been 
to New York City. You only know about New York. And if you had to give a report in school, boys and girls, then you would have to read about New York, get on the internet and find out pictures of New York, and you're going to talk about a city you don't know. David knew God's forgiveness. When Nathan came to David and said, you're the man. And David says, I have sinned against God. And he says it from his heart. Because according to Psalm 32, David has lived a miserable life ever since he committed adultery and killed Uriah. And I want all of us to understand, when you and I feel guilt, when you and I feel shame, we have God's grace. The Holy Spirit convicts every one of us of sin. And the evidence is guilt and shame and confession and repentance. And so there remain in the book of Psalms Seventy-three psalms from David. One of them is Psalm 23, written by David when he's an old man who knows God's grace. God's forgiveness. God's restoring. So do you delight in the law of the Lord? In your salvation? And now, boys and girls, I got a deeper question for you. Because there is a law of God for every plant, every animal, every bird, every fish, every insect. Every virus, every living thing. It's called 
DNA. When God created life on day three and five and six, God's law is seen. If I asked you, boys and girls, just keep your mouth shut, but have your answer in your head. What do elephants have that no other animal has? You know what it is? It's related to the law of God for elephants. All elephants have the DNA from the elephants which God created on day six. Never going to change. And if you think that elephants have a trunk and no other animal has a trunk, you made a mistake. Ant eaters have them. And if you study butterflies, they have something very similar. You know what elephants have? That you're not going to find with any other animal? Baby elephants. That's amazing. Because that is God's law. You all love robins, don't you? You ever watch them make their nest? How does a robin know how to make one? What does it start with? They have the same model year after year after year. Did they go to Robin's school? Nest building 101? There's the law of God. For robins. Some people call it instinct. You may call it instinct if you define instinct as God's wisdom.
Because God not only creates a physical world. If you read the book of Proverbs, I think it's chapter 9, but maybe 10. I think it's 9. God describes wisdom. And God says, wisdom was the first thing God created. And you see the wisdom of God, boys and girls, in everything you study in science class. You cannot understand science unless you understand the law of God, the covenant of God with every animal. There's another law of God. You see it in history. When you study history, boys and girls, what are you studying? Is it the history of man? Is that what it is? If that's what you think it is, it's boring, isn't it? Do you know that all of history is known by God? David in Psalm 139. He says, every day of my life is written in your book. That book is described in Revelation chapter 5. It's a scroll. And that scroll is written on both sides. And that scroll is sealed with seven seals. Because it is the last will and testament of God for the world. And there is no one that can take that scroll the will of God and open it. Because there is no one trustworthy to carry out God's will except Jesus. Boys and girls, do you know Today's Mother's Day, right? 
Do you know that your mom's name is in that scroll? And she's your mom? Any of you kids here choose your mom? Anybody? God knew. Maybe I shouldn't say that in past tense. God knows who's your, who would be the best mom for you and dad and grandpa and grandma and boys and girls. It's all written in that scroll. It's a law. It's covenant. It's God's sovereignty. Your wife is in there. Do you know that? Your husband is in there. Do you know that? Or your singleness is in there. Do you know that? And your children are in there. Do you know that? And your grandkids are in there. And you know what else is in there? God's covenant with you. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And on that law he meditates day and night. Everything that you and I do, everything you and I work with, Tomorrow's school, right? Got a pencil, right? There's the law of God for pencils. That graphite is going to put a mark on the paper. Law of God for paper. There's a law of God for everything. Whatever you cook, whatever you drive, whatever you and I do, everything we do is connected to the law of God. And I think that's where I'm going to stop, okay? This tree, I really wanted to emphasize this to you, I'm just going to say it to you, this tree is planted. It was unloved. It was uncared for. It was rejected. And the gardener digs it up and carries it into the garden and plants it where this tree is going to be nourished, protected, 
fed, delighted over, and where it's going to bear fruit. That is a really narrowing down of what I wanted to say. But may God bless the word to you. May you rejoice that you have been blessed before the creation of the world with the knowledge of God and with His protection and His word and the law of the Lord in all of these areas. Delight in them. Amen. Our Father, Your word is so rich, so full, so full of life. In you we live, and in you we move, and in you we have our being. We are so safe. We are so protected. Thank you, Father, that your covenant Your hold on us is so permanent, so everlasting, that we can never, ever get away from you. May we rejoice in that blessing. Amen.